Welcome back to The Dark Side. I'm your host, Brianna. I'm here. This is Dark Adaptation. So it's barely begun, and Dyson's already vomited in his mouth. It was a near vomit. It was close. <laughs> I'll tell you what. I don't care if it was near or not. From here, it sounded foul. <laughs> oh, you picked up on that? <laughs> yeah. A straight gargle. <laughs> also, Look, man, I, I, I had to carb up after the gym, all right? Yeah, this kid, he goes to the gym. Oh, he says he goes to the gym, but I think he just goes to meet Jim. And <laughs> <laughs> he gets a haircut and then he just he thinks he's hot shit. He's introducing himself as I'm here. Like when no one no one has to ask his name. We all know it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you don't disagree with anything I said. No, that was all true. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that was easy. Yeah. How can I roast you if you just lean into it like that? I don't know. It's just, every time I go to gym, I always come back smelling sweaty, don't I? Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, you just cut your hair. Why is it already messy? It's a new style, new look. What do you think? <laughs> it's bedhead. <laughs> All right. Um, it's part four of The Crimes of Del and Millard, which is crazy. Part four, officially the longest series that we've ever done on Dark Adaptation. Yeah. Which is, you know, not an accolade for Dallin. No. None of this is... A little shit. F- for Dallin. I mean, like, we're talking about him a lot because he's a fucking murderer. Yeah. And this is a partial true crime podcast. And he happens to be at the center of all of this fuckery, but... Yeah, he he's getting talked about a lot in the same way that kids in the schoolyard talk about that one kid who eats dirt. Or dog treats. Or dog treats. <laughs> or worms for money. I knew uh, a kid that did that. Oh, I never seen that. Yeah, he also actually did eat dog treats. Are you But like serious? that was just like a thing he did. And also like I'm pretty sure he ate other bugs on the side and just didn't tell us. But yeah, no, I'm hundred percent serious. And that was what? like grade eight. Oh my god. Yeah, that I was, was like picturing you guys like little second graders running around. No. That's too old. Little baby Dyson. I don't think so. Wait, so you were the one eating bugs? Absolutely not. No, no, no. no. <laughs> you know what? Eighth grade makes sense because that's around the time that Dellen was out there eating dog treats. So yeah, what the fuck? It, you start you know, to go through puberty the water. and you just realize you really need a pet Attention. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> attention. Mm-hmm. No, I don't think you want attention. At that time, you're out. That's the phase when you're just like, oh my God, you're ruining my life. Leave me alone. No, he 100% wanted when attention for that. That was like the room, stop paying attention to me. And then like flicks his just emo hair. the family computer because <laughs> you've discovered LimeWire and you've made it a very curated playlist yeah. that consists of Follow Boy, Taking Back Sunday, and unfortunately, Metro Station. <sighs> I went through a phase, man. Metro Station. Yeah. When I had, when I got my iPod Nano, "Shake It" was my top played song, surpassing all the others by like three hundred plays. And I recently listened to that song again, and it is fucking dog shit. 
And I, mom, I'm sorry. <laughs> I had to put everyone through that. Yeah. <laughs> At least Fall Boy, early Fall Boy was good. It's all right. I can't what? really talk shit. Um, Did you say no. it's all right? No, it's all right that you went through your phase. Oh, it's like, uh, excuse me, early Fall Out Boy, first three, arguably four albums are amazing. And I thought you were going to say, it's all right. It's all right. Um, Everyone, thank you for coming. <laughs> the podcast is over. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say, I'm not, I don't I can't talk shit because I used to get hyped for like gaming nights and stuff, but playing Skrillex Fight Night, <laughs> mm. which in my defense... I would only play the music video version and I would fast forward to the part where the announcer starts doing the whole like, let's get ready to rumble shit. And that's just like, there's no debate. That's a great just hype up thing. You just get ready. You just get ready for fight night. And then you just got like some shitty electro music playing. It's great for video games. Anyway, I, but I went through that whole phase just blasting it. I actually don't know what you're talking about at all. You don't know Skrillex fight night? No. I'll show you later. I don't really know Skrillex. There's robots punching each other in the fucking face. It's sick. Okay. Yeah. I love big robots breaking other big robots. <laughs> <laughs> it's the thing I learned about myself. A robot. Ever since Pacific Rim trailer came out and I saw one, one fucking monster get beamed in the head by a fucking train. <laughs> Pacific Rim? Yeah, Pacific Rim. The movie? I don't think I've seen it. Oh my god, there's a whole element of my interest that you haven't tapped into yet. Yeah. <laughs> well, maybe there's a reason. Are you googling it? Yes, I'm googling <laughs> Pacific Rim. There's a in the trailer, the Long giant ago, robot grabs a legions of monstrous creature grabs a fucking kaiju. Yeah. Arose from the sea, bringing with them all consuming war. It's sick. And it's got it's Charlie Day place. in it. It does. I just saw that Charlie yeah. Day. Yeah. And, oh. <laughs> oh. And Idris Elba. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I think he's like an anime nerd, and I think this has like anime roots. I don't really know. Oh my god, we're derailing so hard. Yeah. Okay. All right. This is gonna be a fucking long ass episode, everyone. So fucking get ready. Fucking, fucking ham. Uh. Sandwich. <laughs> Okay, there we go. I found my place. Okay. That was perfect. Okay, yes. Officially the longest se series ever. Uh, this part four. It's probably going to be seven parts. Sorry. And... <laughs> no, sorry. <laughs> and yeah, we, we've got our preamble out of the way. I don't blame anybody if they fast forwarded through that. <laughs> Still talking about kaijus and robots. Everyone's impatiently waiting to hear what happens next because, I mean, we still got so much to talk about. Um... Steph, I'm talking to you. I know that you're waiting. She's been texting me all weekend. So you're recording, right? You're going to record, right? Because I can't wait for part four. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, yes, we are recording. Because I told her that you were feeling sick. So we didn't record yesterday. Oh, yeah. Oh. But you're not sick. You got over it. You slept for like 72 hours. And drank a whole fucking <clears throat> a gallon. A lot. Of orange juice. A lot. I wasn't fucking around. So yeah, we are recording. Here we are. You have your episode. Obviously, you're listening. So let's dive in. We'll start with a recap of part three. Because it's been a week. Mm -hmm. For us, uh, us here, it's been two weeks because we recorded back to back two weeks ago. Yeah. So we talked a lot about Dellen's most trusted partner in crime, Mark Smitch. 
or as Dyson named him, Mark Smitch the prison bitch. <laughs> Something along those lines. We learned that Mark was sort of the black sheep of the family. He had a criminal record. He was an aspiring rapper. And he earned money mainly by selling drugs and cigs. Everyone remembers he was a rapper, right? Because you remember that straight up fire rap I made you all listen to. <laughs> this uh, selling drugs and cigs is how he met Dellen. Over time, they grew closer, bonded over God knows what. Mark claims he looked up to Dellen like he was an older brother. You know, that whole spiel. Mark also um, used Dellen for a place to stay. And Sugar Daddy Dellen bought Mark and his girlfriend Marlena Sugar what Daddy they needed. Dellen. In exchange, Mark just kind of had to do odd jobs and, you know, missions for Dellen. And <sighs> Dellen used Mark just as much um, to do these odd jobs, to do these missions. And he also used Mark for his connections, like when Dellen needed to buy a gun. They stole a lot of shit on their various missions. But a gun was not something that they could manage to thieve. So he had to actually go and buy one. But <laughs> I, couldn't, I couldn't thieve it. <laughs> they were, they're thieving. They were on missions. Again, remember, they're just grown-ass men running around in the dark. With oh, I shockies. just want to wedgie them. They're fucking idiots. I want to throw them in front of a moving train. Yeah. So another thing that they could not thieve on their missions was an incinerator. Dellen recruited his friend and Millard Air employee Shane Schlattman to make him an incinerator. That ended up being a bust, but... Shane said he tried to ignite that thing and it blew up in his face, basically. <laughs> so, scrap that. Uh, he ended up just buying one called the Eliminator. It's an industrial animal cremator. Yeah, for um, cattle. Mainly, at yeah, livestock. Yeah. And Dellen had Shane just customize the shit out of it. It had to be mobile. He wanted it on a trailer. He did the propane all hooked up that way. It was fucking wild. We talked about Dellen's love of the Baja 500, even though he was dog shit at it. <laughs> oh, yeah. I forgot about that. <laughs> he fucking crashed wrecked, or like wrecked the car immediately in the Baja 500. And as we talked about, that seemed so random. But that's actually like a huge part of the story, because as we discussed, that's the motive for Tim's eventual murder. That's why they were looking for that Dodge Ram truck. It needed to be a diesel truck because he, Dellen, had to be able to haul his trailer with his racing cars in it uh, more fuel efficiently. After Tim's murder, Dellen had to cover up their tracks because he's fucking stupid. And <laughs> just straight up fucking stupid. <laughs> and Shane Schlattman's father-in-law, Arthur Jennings, also worked at Millard Air. And he's the one that went into the hangar. Um, and found Tim's truck there. And then there was all the drama over that. Shane getting mad that Arthur called Crime Stoppers, blah, blah, blah. Hopefully you remember. If not, go back and listen. Dellen had, uh, while he was covering his tracks, moved the incinerator with the help of his girlfriend, Christina. Um, and then he also had given the toolbox to Matt the day before he was arrested. When he was feeling heat, you know. <laughs> so then Dellen is arrested. Mark asked Andrew... Andrew um, Michalski, which was living, who was living with Dylan and was his friend. Mark asked Andrew to pack up all of the drugs in Dylan's place and bring them to him. And Andrew asked Matt if he could go with him and do this. Matt was pissed. Matt did not like Mark, Mark Smitch. He did not want to have to go and meet him, but he wanted to get the toolbox 
um, out of his possession because, you know, he finds out in the car with Andrew that Dalton's arrested. He freaks out. He's fucking pissed off. He left that toolbox and the backpack in the maintenance stairwell for Mark to go and get. And Mark did. He didn't get it. He actually sent one of his friends to go and get it. But he did end up with that toolbox inside. There was a gun. Uh, Mark tried to sell that gun. Didn't work. So he says he ended up burying it. (laughs) But then he's arrested. (laughs) And the cops are like, hey, where's the gun? We need it. And he's like, I don't remember. I buried it. And he says he has no idea where he went. He was in a stupor, basically. And ultimately, that gun is never recovered. And finally, when we ended last week's episode, both of these fucking idiots were in jail awaiting their trial for the first degree murder of Tim Bosma. As I had mentioned in part two, when we were mainly talking about Dellen, Dellen had, uh, he was in solitary confinement or segregation or whatever the fuck they call it now in Canada at the Hamilton Wentworth Detention Center. So while he was in uh, this detention center, this afforded him tons of time to plot his trial strategy. He would rehearse speeches to an imaginary jury, and he would write letters to Christina where he asked her thoughts on his strategy and what the best approach would be. He basically was just doing anything he could to seem in control and try and control the narrative as much as possible. That's just what he wanted to do. The letters are lame. (laughs) There are spelling mistakes all over the place, and they are just so insufferable. Mm-hmm. So I was wondering why the TV just did that. An app updated. Oh. <laughs> Shit. Okay. So these letters, so insufferable. One article I read said they were, quote, given to philosophizing. So, you know, that's what you want from Dallin is prognosticating. His... <laughs> also, in the letters, he uses a lot of like these and thous. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, okay. So he's just full. He's just jerking off on the page, yeah, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He just has so much time on his hands that he's just like, I mean, I'll, I don't know. I think it's just him. You think he's just a twat. So <laughs> he, he writes, like, basically, what was me? You know, he writes that he was treated like Hannibal Lecter when he first arrived and he's all being a drama queen. So, you know, obviously, I'm going to read you some quotes from these letters because y'all have to suffer with me. And then also, it's kind of like offering a glimpse into his mind. So here we go. Obviously, I want the jury to believe I am not a murderer, but by what road do I bring them to that conclusion? In this little practice session, I imagine I would have conveyed that I am scared but composed. Do you think that's a good route? Oh my god. To bail or not to bail, that is the question. Will the fates be kind? Will his mates upset his bind? Are you fucking serious? This is actually real. I'm dead serious. I'm dead, 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 dead serious. Do you really just to be or not to be that shit? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I'm learning about humans, the interactions between guards and prisoners, the system, the posturing, the backstabbing, literally in here. I hope he gets stabbed. 
compared to most of the nut jobs in here, I'm, well, I'm me, ha ha. <laughs> oh my god, I hate him so much. <laughs> I know, I know. It's, I'm actually just. He's gross. Yeah, he's just so irritating. You just want to hit him. I'll post um, some pictures on Instagram so that you guys can check out like more of the letters and actually read through some of them. But, you know, it's vomitous. You're just going to puke in your mouth. So Adelin professes his undying love for Christina in these letters, promises her amazing things when he gets out. He's like, what kind of house you want? Like, we'll have a nice house. Like, I'll buy you a new car. We're going to go on a sailing trip around the world. Like, make you every promise in the world now that I'm not going to be able to fulfill it. <laughs> Basically. <laughs> Although he's so full of himself, he probably thought he would get away with it. Oh, yeah. He thought these trials were going to go great and probably. turn into an absolute joke like they always do when you self-represent. Yeah, he was not self-representing in this trial. Oh, no? Oh, okay. No. Oh, okay. No, he had a lawyer for this one. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> yeah, this one. <laughs> so he also tries to learn Ukrainian. So there's like Ukrainian written randomly throughout the letters because Christina could speak Ukrainian. So, yeah. Uh, but for every sappy love bomb that he gives Christina, he's still cunning. You know, he's trying his best to control her in the narrative, make her do work for him on the outside, like sort of like damage control. And in the letters, just making sure that their stories are aligned. His letters reveal that he was most worried about Andrew Michelski's testimony because Andrew knew that Dellen planned to steal a truck. They lived together. He, their lives are so heavily involved with each other. So you can see in the letters that he was very worried about if and if Andrew would testify and what he would say. So I'm just going to detour a bit and talk about Andrew briefly. Uh, like I said, he was living with Dellen and he was helping him search for trucks for sale online. Andrew said that on Saturday, May 4th, which is the weekend before Tim was murdered, Dellen was looking at ads. He, quote, he asked me if... He knew of any single singles in his area, <laughs> preferably hot dads. Do you believe that this Nigerian <laughs> prince will send me $3 million if I just send them 50000 first? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> Did you ever get those spam I got, emails? I never got the Nigerian Prince one. I was very upset that I never got the cliched one. I always got the Nigerian Prince. Give me 50000 and I promise when I get my inheritance, I will repay you $3 million. My favorite is always the greetings, the overtly formal greetings you always get. And then, the, <laughs> and then as soon as like that's over, it's just spelling errors. It just falls apart. Random dry, like uh, run-on sentences or like paragraph starting in the middle of a sentence and the fonts change and <laughs> it's clearly copy and pasted <laughs> so many times yeah so yes andrew said on saturday may 4th the weekend before tim was murdered that Dellen was looking at ads quote he asked me if he should steal from the asshole or the nice guy i told him to fuck off i didn't think he needed a truck end quote i think i think he's bullshit <laughs> The next day, Mark and Dellen test drove one of the trucks in Toronto. This is the test drive that he went on with Igor, the made-of-concrete military guy. Mm -hmm. But they didn't end up stealing that truck because they were scared of Igor. Who was but, fucking Israeli spec ops. Yeah, like, but fuck then that. when he got back to the house, Andrew was like, oh, was your mission successful? And 
they were like, no, Mark was sick, so we couldn't go through with it. <laughs> <laughs> but they actually were both fucking scared. Yeah. But the following day was Monday, and that's when they go for the test drive with Tim. And they get back, and Andrew asked if this mission was successful, meaning did you steal the truck? And Dalton said yes. As we know, Dellen was arrested five days after Tim's murder and the whole like freak out scenario unfolded with Andrew getting the drugs out of the house and over to Mark. And it turns out that a few days after Dellen was arrested, Andrew was also arrested and charged for Tim's murder. At first, he lied and quote played dumb when he was interrogated, saying that he had no idea that Dellen wanted to steal a truck. You know, that's absurd. The guy has money. He could just buy a truck. He would never want to steal a truck. That's crazy. I don't know anything. What? I also have no idea about the test drives. And no, I definitely did not help move evidence related to the murder. Are you kidding? That's crazy. And like they haven't even talked to him yet. They just have him in the room. They were they asked if he wanted water. <laughs> he <just laughs> lied through his fucking teeth. So he ended up going back and coming clean two weeks later, and he admitted to the police that he did help get rid of drugs and the toolbox. Adamant he had no idea what was in the toolbox. Um, I don't know if that's true or not. At this point, I don't fucking trust any of these people. No, if you're if you're associated with this guy in like any way, you're you're fucking dumb as shit. First of all, yeah. And second of all, you're skeezy. Mm-hmm. You're For just, sure. You're just, like, you probably just leave a trail of grease from every which way you come because you're just such a fucking greasy fuck. <laughs> so, yeah, he lies the first time. He goes back. He's like, okay, fine. I move. I got rid of the drugs and I moved the toolbox. And the charges for his involvement in Tim's murder were ultimately dropped. So, I'm talking about this for a couple of reasons. One, it shows that Andrew knew a lot about Dellen's plans, which is why Dellen was so nervous in his letters about Andrew's potential trial testimony. And I was thinking about it, and it kind of also adds credence to those early days of investigation when Tim was still missing and the police kept saying that there was potentially a third person involved. Mm. And I'm wondering if that was referring to Andrew, who had like been initially arrested and charged not long after Dellen. So mm -hmm. I don't know. I was, I was just kind of like thinking... Maybe that has something to do with it. Yeah. Also, I'm curious if Andrew knew more than what he divulged to police. And he instead, like, kept his involvement and the information he knew as minimal as possible so that he could broker a deal and have his charges dropped. That would make sense. Yeah. Because we find out soon, like, Andrew does testify at trial. Like, Dylan has a right to be nervous. Mm -hmm. And I'm, like, thinking... Were his charges dropped in exchange for his testimony? And that's why Dellen was so concerned about what Andrew would say under oath. Yeah, I can see that happening for sure. Something else I want to add is about the toolbox. So last week in part three, I said that I wasn't sure about the whole toolbox, toolbox situation. Like if Andrew assumed that Mark wanted it or if Mark specifically asked for it, I was like, I don't really know how that all went down. Well, according to a CHCH article that reported on Andrew's trial testimony, it says, quote, The jury saw the later text message from Smitch. Tell him where it's at and ask him to bring it to me with the other thing. He was asking about Matt Hagerman, who got a yellow toolbox from Millard shortly before the arrest and was asked to hold it for a couple of weeks, end quote. Mm. So Mark asked for it. Yeah. Just wanted to clear that up because I was like, I don't, I don't fucking understand how they would have known to get the toolbox or why they would if they just assumed it's because it always had drugs in it. And it's like, no, it's because fucking Mark asked for it. Yeah. So there we go. Cleared that up. Yeah. So that was a little bit of a detour, but 
you know, Andrea is a part of this. I also found it interesting that he was arrested and charged with Tim's murder as well. I have never heard that before. Someone else like diving into this. I was like, what? No way. Is yeah. that the third person? I'm so confused. <laughs> yeah, I don't remember hearing anything about something like that. No. So yeah. I just think it all points to charges being dropped so that he would, you know, quote, come clean. I don't think he told them everything. I think he kept his involvement minimal. And I think that the charges were dropped in exchange for him to testify. I really believe that. Mm -hmm. I mean, maybe that's exactly what happened. I did not find that information, but that's how it seems to me. Mm -hmm. So back to Dallin in prison and his dumb fucking letters. In the letters, Dallin asks Christina to get close to Andrew and feed him stories that he should give as testimony. Quote, I love him. I know he loves me. He has a loyal heart. If he knew that his words were going to get to me, were going to get me a life sentence, he would want to change them. Show him how he can and he will change them. I fucking hate this guy so fucking much. <laughs> we do have to give him that dumb voice. <laughs> it's the perfect voice for him. Especially because it sounds like a fucking stooge. Yeah. And he thinks he's like a fucking intellect. Yeah, he's a fucking idiot. He's philosophizing. Fucking deleton is what he is. <laughs> he's going to Google that and then, and then be like, I always knew what that was. I'm an... I'm a savant. Oh, Lord. <laughs> Dellen also tells Christina that when it's her turn to testify, she has to say that Mark knew the Bosmas prior to the test drive and that he acted alone. And he says that Andrew can say that Dellen was not there for the test drive, that he was just like at home with him. <laughs> it's so pointless because there's yeah. the call rec the cell records that like show that his burner and his phone are yep. traveling in the same place. In the places. same fucking place. Which is this the my favorite fact out of this whole thing? Steph texts me like cackling about that too. She's like, "What a fucking idiot! What is the point? Yeah, of a burner phone. If you fucking take it with your regular phone. So there's that. There's also like surveillance. There's his SUV parked nearby. Like it's a stupid route to take. You're put there no matter what. Mm -hmm. So, um, the reason that we have all of this information from the letters is because police found them when they searched Christina's home. In the letters, Dallin would hammer home and make it clear that after reading each one, Christina had to destroy it. And mm -hmm. clearly she didn't. <laughs> um, they weren't even supposed to be communicating. There was a court order forbidding it. There was like a no contact order. But um, it appears that Dallin's lawyer was smuggling them out. Oh. to Christina and then back into Dellen. Now, this oh. is allegedly because the lawyer insists that he would never do that. Um, mm -hmm. But, like... How the fuck else did they get there? No idea. And there's a photo yeah. uh, that um, will be posted on Instagram as well by the time you're listening to this. And it has, like, it's one of those, like, typical orangish f file folder envelope things. And it looks like it says, like, privileged property of that lawyer or whatever. Oh. And like I don't know how else they would have gotten in and out. That's a that's gotta be real, real bad news if we got caught with that. And I can't really find anything else on it. I also didn't look too hard, but it comes up again later, this like smuggling letter thing. So mm -hmm. I'm saying allegedly because the lawyer's like dead ass, I did not. Yeah. But I mean, who knows? Yeah. So he, Dallin, obviously destroyed the letters that she sent him. So we don't know what she said and how she felt about his pleas for her to like go and lie and like campaign these people to lie for him and manipulate people in evidence. But 
she claims that she refused to acknowledge any of it, Mm -hmm. that she realized that she herself was being manipulated. And, you know, that's just what she says, quote, I was madly in love with him, but I wasn't sure how he felt back at me. I kind of felt like I was being played. Those two statements are fucking (laughs) polar opposites. I was madly in love with him, but um, I don't know if he was in love with me. And like, I think I'm being played. Oh my fucking God. Jesus Christ. Yeah, you were getting fucking played, genius. I don't know. You get some self-respect if who you love is Dellen Millard. To be honest, I think that everyone around Dellen is just full of shit, especially Christina. Like, that's just my opinion, but I think that she's a horrible person. And she, like, she helped him move the incinerator. She delivered that toolbox right alongside him to Matt Hagerman. She -hmm. let him use her phone to communicate with his fucking cronies about their missions and hiding evidence when Dellen felt heat. She admits during her trial testimony that after Dellen was arrested, she went to his mother's house to wipe fingerprints off the trailer. Mm-hmm. She claims that she did that because her and Dellen's mother had touched it, so she was worried about that. But who the fuck knows? Because everything she says is to cover her own ass, and she's saying what she has to say to keep the spotlight off of her as much as possible. Mm-hmm. And like, I try to keep my opinions to myself to yeah. the side when I'm, you know, writing and researching and telling you guys the story, but like, Oh my God, (laughs) I hate these people and I cannot stand them. And I think they're all full of shit. And I think all of them knew way more than they admit to. Obviously to like protect themselves, but I just fucking can't stand it. Everyone knows that kind of, well, I can't say everyone, but like I for sure grew up where there was just that pocket of like friends, not my friends. They were all just (laughs) friends. There was like that little group or clique or something that were all just like this. Yeah. Where they were just the fucking... Just skeeziest, like bottom of the barrel type people, dumb as shit. And I, the only thing that blows my mind is like, is like that they were, these guys were successful in manipulating anyone because usually they're just so stupid. They think they're managing it and they're just, everyone is just transparently aware of how full of shit they are. Yeah. But I mean, like Dellen is definitely the one that's manipulating everyone and all these people are allowing the manipulation for the most part because mm-hmm. like andrew michelski has even said like you know being friends with dylan had its perks yeah and but like they're all just full of shit yeah they're all they're all idiots even dylan is a fucking idiot mm-hmm. who, who brings their cell phone alongside their burner you stupid ass <laughs> <laughs> so yeah had to rant there because i'm like you're fucking full of shit christina probably, you knew exactly what you were doing probably patting himself on the back like oh, yeah they'll never catch me on those call records <laughs> and someone was like, uh, you know they have like GPS in them, right? Huh? Huh? What was that? Hmm? What'd you say now? <laughs> okay, so while we're still like on the topic of fucking Christina, I'll just get this out of the way now. In December 2016, Christina's trial was set to begin for obstruction of justice for her roles in moving and destroying evidence and for communicating with Dellen. <laughs> when there's a no contact order and not turning any of the letters over to police but she ultimately pleaded guilty to avoid a trial uh quote the crown and defense lawyers have petitioned the judge to give nudga that's her last name a one-year jail sentence which with credit for the four months she has already spent in custody would mean no additional time in jail the judge granted the request so okay she 
I mean, sort of was punished ish <laughs> for her role in all of this. Yeah. But I just thought I'd get that out of the way. I don't fucking like her. I, I, like, I noticed. I don't like any of these people. No. And I appreciate the way you still say Dellen. I ref- it's Dellen. I know. No, it- no, no. I mean, like, you can hear it in your voice just how much you just. You don't even want his name in your mouth. You're like, ugh. It's Dylan. And like a lot of people around him call him Dylan. Uh, because Dylan is stupid. Yep. But it's spelt Dylan, and I'm fucking saying Dylan. Yeah, it's fucking Dylan. And also you can say it with so much stank. Dylan. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck you, Dylan. That's a bullshit. That's a bullshit. Like, oh it it's it's Dylan because Dylan's stupid. It's like well then, oh, I just said then that. It, then it's fucking Tyson because Dyson is stupid. <laughs> I just said because it's stupid. Like I don't know if that people for sure do that. I've I, heard people just say Dylan, Dylan Millard, because yeah. they're like, oh no, fuck that. Or people called him Dell, like I said before. But yeah. that he was named Dylan after his grandmother Dell, and I don't think his grandmother deserved that. So no, absolutely not. And also, <laughs> Dell is an is actually a lovely name. If it was just Dell, if it's a sweet little grandma, especially like yeah. Grandma Dell, that's adorable. She's a little processing computer of her. <laughs> you know? She she'd probably walk around with a fucking ancient old Palm Pilot, and that's that's adorable. I want that character. I want that for someone. So that's why I'm not calling him Dylan or Dylan, even because he's like it's pronounced Dylan, whatever. Nope, nope, Dylan. Not happening. So okay, Christina, you know she had been saying, I, I did not entertain anything Dylan said in his letters, and like I knew I was being manipulated. <laughs> that's where we left off before I went on a tangent about Christina. Dylan was used to getting his way. Dylan was used to getting his way and having everyone around him do his biddings because he made his friends feel untouchable. So he assumed his wishes would come true and Christina and his friends would lie under oath to protect him. As we are all well aware of by this point, based on everything I've told you in this series, there's mountains of evidence against Dylan including his own letters at this point. So he never stood a chance of convincing a jury he was innocent of murdering Tim Bosma. Therefore, neither did Mark. And good fucking riddance. Yeah, fuck those guys. Oh, hi. Hello. It's Dom. And along with my co-host, Amy, we are the hosts of Horror House, True Crime, and The Macabre. If, like us, you have a morbid curiosity with true crime, the paranormal, cults, and more, then our show may just satisfy your curiosities. We release episodes on Fridays and bonus episodes every other Wednesday. You can listen to us wherever you find your podcasts, and you can also find us on Instagram at horrorhouse underscore pod. So, all that's left to say is, until next time, my friends, stay spooky. Jury selection for Dylan Millard and Mark Smitch's first-degree murder trial of Tim Bosma began on January 18th, 2016 at the... Uh, okay, I tried to look up this last name, and it was not helpful. But you lived in Hamilton, so maybe you'll know how to say it. Okay. At the John Sopinka Courthouse... Oh yeah, okay, yeah. So, I know I know what you're talking about. John Sapinka. I thought Sapinka? I thought so. Okay. 
Yeah. I don't know. It looks I've like... been there. That's the funny part. Yeah. It's on King Street. Or yep. King yeah, King Street East. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> but I was like, so pink Sopinka? I have no fucking idea. Sopinka? Sopinka? <laughs> I think it's Sopinka. Sopinka, that's what yeah. I thought too. Yeah. Okay. So it was at the John Sopinka Courthouse in uh, Hamilton on uh, King Street East, as mm. I said. It's the Ontario Superior Court. Superior Court of Justice. Yeah. It's kind of ritzy when you walk in there. On the outside, it didn't look too bad, you know? And I was like, wait, this is King Street? What? It does. You know what it kind of reminded me of? <laughs> is like it, what? Is it near the City Hall? Yeah. Okay. I think, I think it's... No, it's it's further down. Okay. Yeah. It, I think it's near Old City Hall. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, it's got that. I know. I tried King those. Street and I was like, whoa. Yeah, I know. <laughs> it's uh, it's not that bad in, in the area. It's not that bad for King Street. So it's, it's pretty good. If you kept going down that road, though, ugh. like yeah. definitely. Ugh. That's where I lived and it was terrible. <laughs> yeah, it was bad. Sopinka. When you walk in there, it's like an episode of Suits. I bet they filmed there. I bet they did, actually. Yeah. I know that was mainly, mainly filmed in Toronto, but, you know, sometimes they go to surrounding areas. Yeah, they go to Hamilton a lot. So it was held. Um, that's where the trial was held, at that courthouse. And eight days later, January 26th, jury selection wrapped up, and the trial began on February 1st. So basically how I'm going to talk about this is because like, God, there's so much to talk about for the trial, but then we would just be here forever. So <laughs> what I'm going to do is tell you guys the sort of like arguments slash theories for what happened that night and who's responsible like the night that Tim was murdered. Mm -hmm. um, and then we'll go over what the jury was shown. And like who they heard from testimony wise and stuff like that. So I think that's how we'll do this. So at trial, Mark and Dylan each who each had their own lawyers because they the trial was held together, but they each were represented by their own lawyer mm -hmm. and the crown all represented. Sorry, all presented different theories of what happened that night. Naturally, Mark and Dylan each tried to blame each other for the murder. <laughs> of course. So then that means that there's three versions of events in the trial because there's technically four because then there's actually what happened. Oh, these poor fucking jurors. I know. Sitting through this shit. So according to Dellen, he insists that him and Mark had planned to test drive Tim's truck and if Dellen liked it, they would return later for a mission. So they would return and steal it. Mm -hmm. But all that went out the window during the test drive. Dylan claims they drove to Ancaster together in Dylan's SUV and parked it at the entrance of a farmer's field near the Bosma home. So the Bosma home uh, in Ancaster was on Trinity Road South. Mm -hmm. So that obviously runs north to south. Mm -hmm. And then the farmer's field was on Book Road, which runs east to west. So Trinity Road South and Book Road make an intersection. Yeah. And they parked near that intersection and then walked south to Tim's house. Oh, okay. So, just to kind of picture it. Yeah. Which is why they arrived on foot. <laughs> yeah, okay. So, that's when they arrive, and they say, like, Dylan's like, oh, like, we were just dropped off by a friend who went to a nearby Tim Hortons, but they actually had parked there and walked. Mm -hmm. Dylan claims that all three of them were in the truck. They're cruising along Highway 403 
when he looks over his shoulder and sees Mark pointing a Walther PPK, PPK hand, handgun at Tim and saying, we're going to take the truck. Uh. Tim grabbed the gun, trying to wrestle it from Mark. But during the struggle, the gun goes off and the bullet hits and kills Tim, shattering the front passenger window. That is so clearly bullshit. Dallin pulled over. He was shaken and he was furious that Mark would do this. This was not part of the plan. He claims he wanted to call an ambulance. But Mark said there's no point because Tim was already dead. So instead, they drive back in the direction of the Bosma house to retrieve Dellen's SUV that's parked near the field. And they kind of talk about their next steps because Dellen was petrified that he would be blamed for the murder. So they agree that they have to cover up the crime by driving to the hangar in Waterloo to begin discarding and burning evidence. Dellen drove Tim's truck there and Mark drove Dellen's SUV. It's airtight. Airtight. 100% believable. Okay. Any problems with this story? None. Not at all. All right. So Mark's version. Yep. It starts about the same as Dellen's. Him and Dellen had planned to test test drive the truck. And if Dellen liked it, they would return and steal it. But it all went out the window during the test drive. Except Mark says the trust... The test drive had barely begun. They were not cruising along the 403. All three were in the truck, and they were only a short distance from the Bosma house when Dellen announced that he had gotten a text from the fictitious friend who had dropped them off at Tim's. After announcing the fake text, Dellen pulled onto the shoulder of Book Road, just past the entrance of the field where the SUV was parked. He told Mark to get out of the truck and into the SUV with their friend. So Dylan was pretending that the friend that dropped them off was waiting in that SUV. Mark takes the hint. He hopped out. He went into the Yukon, which the keys were left inside the cup holder so that he could just take off in the SUV. And he followed Dylan, who was still driving Tim's truck with Tim in it. He followed Dylan for a short distance when Dylan suddenly swerved to the side of the road and stopped. Mark pulled over behind him saw Dellen get out of the truck and shove a gun into his stupid fucking satchel. And Mark got out too. And Dellen said, I'm taking the truck. Then went to the trunk of the SUV that Mark was driving and opened it. So while Dellen was rooting around in the back of the SUV for whatever reason, Mark made his way to the passenger side of Tim's truck and saw that Tim was face down on the dashboard covered in blood. So he yelled, what the fuck is going on? And Dellen told him not to worry while, quote, looking like a lunatic. Dellen told Mark to get the license plates belonging to Dellen's red Dodge 3500 from the back of the SUV and swap them with Tim's. And Mark was panicked and afraid and shit in his little pants. And he just did what he was told. Mm -hmm. Next, Dellen drives Tim's truck to his farm property in air and Mark follows in the SUV. At the farm, they attach the incinerator to the truck, and Dellen tells Mark to help him put Tim inside the incinerator, but Mark says that he couldn't because of a shoulder injury, so he was feigning an injury so that he didn't have to help put Tim in the incinerator. Right. And he later says that he did lie about this. He just did not want to see the body or be anywhere near it. Yeah. And Dellen was like, fine, go open the gate at the entrance to the farm then so we can leave. So Mark heads over there, you know, heads over to open the gate. Mm-hmm. And then he gets it open and he returns to Dellen and Tim's body is nowhere to be seen. So I guess that he had gotten him into the incinerator on his own. I don't know. I didn't see Tim's body. The two then drive to the Millard hangar where Tim's body is incinerated and the truck is stripped. 
Okay. That's Mark's version wow. of events. My. Did you? <laughs> does I do either of them have back problems? <laughs> I know one of them might have a shoulder injury. I'm not sure. Okay, I was just wondering how they managed to do that while shoveling <laughs> so much bullshit. <laughs> That's amazing. Holy fuck! Uh, Tell no. me what the I can't wait to hear what the crown fucking just dumps on them though. The crown. Okay, I'll tell you what the crown said, and then I'll give my opinions after. Okay. So the crown, or for our American listeners, the prosecution. Yeah. Because yes, we still think that the queen is coming. <laughs> yeah, I remember the whole like revolution you guys had. We didn't. <laughs> <laughs> the British are coming. Okay. <laughs> So the Crown dismissed the idea that the plan was to scope out the truck and steal it later. They argued the plan all along was to murder Tim and take the truck, which I will agree with. Mm -hmm. uh, right. The Crown agrees. And no one really disputes this, that all three men were in the truck for the test drive. Dallin driving, Tim passenger seat, Mark back. That's pretty much accepted. Yeah. Dallin drives up. Trinity Road South, so away from the Bosma house, turns right onto Book Road, which is where the SUV is parked, and immediately pulls off. Dellen and Mark force Tim out of the truck and into the field and shoot him and kill him. The two drive to Dellen's farm in air. Dellen in the truck and Mark in the SUV, they pick up the incinerator and they burn Tim's body at the Waterloo hangar. Now, the, t the Crown acknowledged that it is impossible to know for certain what happened that night, but the whole point is that it's a fact that Dellen and Mark were there and are responsible. So regardless of what happened, we can say for sure Dellen and Mark were there. That's mm -hmm. the argument they're making. That's interesting that they, they said that they marched him out into a field. So that's what I was that's what I meant when I was like, I'll give you my opinion after. Yeah. <laughs> Cause there's Obviously, problems with Dylan and Mark's story. Yeah. But I think there's a problem with the Crown's presentation as well. Mm -hmm. And that, and that's why I'm saying, like, the whole point they're trying to make is that it, it doesn't really matter what happened. They're responsible. Yeah. So I think they're just trying to really be dramatic and paint this horrible, like, execution-style yeah. murder, which is probably effective. But it's already horrible. You don't need to paint that. Yeah. And if you look at the evidence, Tim 100% died in the truck. He was not taken from it. He wasn't shot in the field and then put back in the passenger seat. Like, that's ridiculous. Yeah. The passenger side window was shattered, which lines up with a left-handed person holding a gun in the driver's seat. Um, and Dylan's left-handed. Mm -hmm. And there's gun residue found inside the truck all over the place there was a shell casing found in the truck behind Dellen's seat which if he was holding the gun lines up with the tra trajectory a casing would take once a bullet was fired mm -hmm. and they also stripped the truck like the seats were missing and burned in the farm field why would they do that likely because they were covered in blood because tim was shot inside of the truck yeah so i do think they were just trying to paint a very dramatic um, picture to really make an impression on the jury that yeah. this man was taken from his family in his own truck, marched out, and brutally murdered. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, it was probably effective, but it's yeah. just... So the, the Crown was playing the game. Oh, for sure. Basically. I'm like, just like, 
that's your opening statement like for how this went down but then you're gonna have to talk about all of the evidence which clearly shows that tim was in the truck i want to i want to imagine that like the crowd like the the crown got together and was just like okay I just want to, like, they're going to be dumb. I think we can get away with, like, no one's going to like these fucking idiots. They're oh, stupid as oh, shit. Yeah. So, like, let's just make it really fucking dramatic. It doesn't really matter, okay? <laughs> they were like, they marched them out into the field. Yeah. And I think that's, <laughs> they can kind of get away with that because they close yep. their theory by saying, in the end, we don't know what happened. Yeah. Maybe it went down like this. Maybe it didn't. But we do know Mark and Dylan did it. So yeah. you can make that impact while saying maybe it didn't even happen that way. Yeah. Well, I mean, like the the people they're prosecuting are so untrustworthy. Exactly. That all it just of on, these people, honestly doesn't matter. All like, of these people are fucking full of shit, especially yeah. Mark and Dylan. Are you kidding me? Yeah. These two are like just turds. Yeah. And just with how much time I've spent with this case and how much research I've done, I do actually think that Mark's version is closest to the truth. Um, I think that he absolutely diminishes his role mm-hmm. and he omits certain details. Yeah. I, he's 100% more involved than he made himself out to be. But I do believe that his story is the closest to the truth. I do too. I think I think he probably helped with the incinerator thing though. Oh, of course and he did. I don't think he was scared for his life because I think he fucking planned this shit too. He was. He knew but the plan. Yeah. But yeah. He right knew down the plan the... because they went on multiple test drives yeah. and- they were supposed to take Igor's truck, but quote, Mark was sick. <laughs> <laughs> that They knew exactly what they were going to do. I Gosh, believe, I agree with the crown. Shoulder injury. Couldn't, couldn't <laughs> I agree it. with the crown that the plan was never to scope it out and go back and steal it. The plan was to fucking kill this person, whoever it was, take the truck. Mm-hmm. And Mark 100% knew that. He was in it. He was game. This isn't the first test drive they went on. They, he fucking knew what he was doing Mm -hmm. but i do think kind of how he laid it out um tim not dying very far from the home and getting into the suv and following and seeing the truck swerve like i i do think it was that's more the truth again can't trust any of them yeah i just think that is more accurate than dylan's (laughs) yeah even for the detailers like i saw the truck swerve and it was because like just drawing drawing the weapon yeah. make it swerve a little bit like i don't think the guy's got a brain power to clearly no the guys imagine idiot. the scenario to that degree you know what i mean so i've even seen like footage um where it's obviously just like somebody filming on the on a cell phone mm-hmm. and it's like silly like like filming each other at a party or like filming the dog or something because like i said dylan had a dog mm-hmm and you can hear Mark talking in the background and like telling a story or something. Yeah. I couldn't even tell you what because that he's just so dull to listen to. Yeah. So even in these videos where he's rambling on about stuff, you're like, how? No wonder somebody is recording a dog chewing on something is because you're so fucking boring. <laughs> and he doesn't use any real words. He doesn't have any substance to what he's saying. Yeah. Like he's just fucking dense. Yeah, he's, he's honestly. So I can't imagine him making sentences. up a very good story unless he was prepped by his lawyer to say that story. That's also possible. Yeah. Again, we literally cannot trust anything any of these fucking idiots are saying, but. Mm-hmm. <sighs> so those are, those are the three versions yeah. of what happened. During the trial, the Crown 
also contended the gun used to kill Tim was the Walther PPK, the James Bond handgun. Yeah, ever since you said what that was, like I actually can't take it seriously because anymore. Because you going on missions. He I know, needed a James Bond gun. And thieving. I would stake my life on that. So, anyway, the, Wal- the, the James Bond gun. This is shit like 10-year-olds do. Like, they play like army together like this is not yeah like this is not fucking real life these guys are just fucking stunted they are stunted i agree so the crown contended that the james bond gun is what was used to kill tim and this is the gun that matthew ward jackson sold Dellen. that's the guy that i said that he said has a gerber baby face oh yeah yeah holding the quote gun that's obviously just a fucking pipe that guy yeah, that was so clearly a pipe. I don't know like, what the fuck. painfully so. It had go, a bowl and everything. Go Google any, just Google his name, Matthew Ward Jackson. And any article that comes up where it's talking about him in this trial and whatever, they use that same photo that I had posted. And the caption is always, poses with a gun. It's not a gun. It's like, a- it's so clearly not a gun. It's so, like... I've, incorrect i don't know who's fucking writing those things i've literally used a pipe like that yeah it's ridiculous um so while we're on i put mwj because <laughs> i didn't want to type matthew ward jackson anymore <laughs> so while we're on ward jackson that's easier to say yeah um i'll just kind of skip ahead here to get it out of the way and then we don't have to talk about him anymore Okay. He was eventually sentenced to 11 years in prison after pleading guilty to nine charges relating to gun possession and trafficking. So among those charges were the sale of the Walther PPK um, that he sold to Dellen. Mm-hmm. And he actually sold a second gun to Dellen. He sold a 32 caliber Smith & Wesson revolver. So Dellen bought two guns from Ward Jackson. And... Just put a pin in that. Okay. Ward Jackson was already incarcerated for a different conviction at the time of the new sentence. So credits were applied to his sentence and it was changed from 11 years to an additional three years, seven months, and two weeks instead. So, mm. you know, he's just, he's just lived about that life, you know? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what to say about it. He got his, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> Do you like horror movies? Do you like hanging out with your friends? Do you like having a laugh? Do you like podcasts? Well, you should check out our podcast, Spoils of Horror. We're not a review show. We're a horror movie hangout where we talk about movies that are lost, forgotten, popular, and bizarre, all in the scary realm. You can listen to our podcast while you're doing just about anything. You could be washing your dishes. You could be washing your cat. You could be washing your genitals. (laughs) All forms of genitals accepted. (laughs) We are a fully inclusive genitalia show. Yes. We are the number one ideal podcast for washing your genitals. Our genital Yelp reviews are unsurpassed. Five and a half stars. (laughs) You don't want to know where that half came from. uh... Now that you know that... Check us out on all major platforms. You can search for Spoils of Horror on all social media sites. Come and hang out with us. We'd love to see you. And your genitals. (laughs) Bye. Bye.
So like I said, I'm not going to go into every single detail of what the jury saw and all of the witness testimony, but I have like essentially cherry picked what I'll share that they saw just based on what is relevant to the story. Like it's all relevant, but you know what I mean? Like the main pieces. The jury heard from character and eyewitnesses. They saw cell phone records, viewed surveillance footage that pieced together Dallin and Mark's movements that night, photos related to Tim's truck, including the stripped interior, blood stains, the shattered front passenger side window, and a photo of Dallin's key ring that had Tim's truck key on it. (laughs) Dyson's just holding his face. Yeah, so they also saw evidence of phone and computer records, including search histories and conversations about obtaining a truck, messages and photos related to other missions, and then photos of stolen property in the hangar from said missions, forensic reports and photos related to the incinerator and Tim's remains, and they saw DNA and finger and hand prints found on and in the truck that belonged uh, in the truck that belonged to Dylan, as in the hand and fingerprints belonged to Dylan, not the truck. Mm-hmm. Yeah, gotcha. So, you know, there's, ugh, honestly, there's so much more that the jury saw and heard. Mm-hmm. And I highly recommend that you check out The Mob Reporter on YouTube because he has nearly 100 videos about the Tim Bosma trial. Remember that one night I just sat there and look, look, looked over at you and my eyes were probably like bloodshot and I was like, I finished them all. Oh my god! Yeah, you just turned around. <laughs> like I was just—I just looked over my laptop. You're she like, turns I around. You were playing RuneScape. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, I watched all of them, and you're like, how many is there? And at that time, I had watched like over seventy. <laughs> oh my god! They're not really long though. Like each video, it depends. Like the shortest video could be like a minute and a half, and then there's some videos that are like twelve. But honestly, the Mob Reporter—it's also several hours. Yeah, it was several hours. Yeah, but it was so awesome to see it's it's there's no like audio from the trial it's mostly like what they saw mm-hmm. so some photos and stuff like that but it was just awesome to see and um the mob reporter on youtube it's also going to be linked in our um sources which are on our website darkadaptationpodcast.ca so yeah if you're like i need to see all of this shit go to the mob reporter because damn that was helpful mm-hmm some of the key witnesses that the jury heard from in the trial were Charlene Bosma. She actually um, was the first. So she opened up the trial, basically, with her uh, witness testimony. And she was like, when they wheeled in her son, she was like, don't listen to him. He's a fucking oh liar. God. <laughs> I had to bring Pig Woman into this somehow. I wish that the, uh, there was some sort of continuity for the Pig Woman, but I'm sorry. It's just the two-parter. Yeah. Nothing else about her. <laughs> so Charlene Bosma, they, uh, as in the jury, heard from Christina Nudga, Marlena Menaces, who's Mark's girlfriend, mm-hmm. Arthur Jennings, that's the guy that found the truck in the hangar, Igor Tumenenko, we know who Igor is. Yep. And then Andrew Michelski, and Dylan was probably crapping his pants. Uh, that's just some of the witnesses, mm-hmm. like the key witnesses. 
So Andrew testified about his friendship with Dallin, how being his friend had its perks and how when it came to missions, he didn't really want to do them, but he did. And since not being around Dallin, he's lived a straight and narrow life. All his bad behavior was from being around Dallin. Yeah, okay. Right. That's so fucking bull. Think of that what you will. I'm just still imagining sitting in the like on on the jury bench and just being like these these people are grown adults. Yeah. What? I'd be like, why am I here? I understand that this is like a whole civic duty thing. They give you that spiel like thirty times, but I would still be like, I'd be okay if they just fucking just threw them away. <laughs> just be like, you know what? We don't even need a a juror. I agree. Not one. <laughs> I agree. Sorry, I was doing math in my head because I was trying to figure out how old they would have been. And at this point, Dellen would have been like 31 or almost 31. He would have oh been God, like 30. I'm, I'm fucking 31. Yeah, so Dellen would have been 30. Sad. I don't know how old Andrew Michalski is. Also, I don't know if it's Michalski or Michalski. I've heard both. But when I watched new, like CTV news, they mostly were saying Michalski. Also, who the fuck cares, actually? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so it's 2016. So yeah, Dylan would have been like almost 31. He would have been like 30 and a half. That's fucking so and sad. I, I can't imagine that Andrew was much younger. So yeah, these people are grown. <laughs> this is pathetic. That's what I mean. And I'm saying like all these grown ass men running around in the dark with walkie talkies doing their missions. Doing I'll alter PPKs. <sighs> losers <laughs> it's so painful <laughs> so yeah he's like oh, i've been on the straight and narrow since i haven't been around Dylan. like it wasn't me it was Dylan. he's a bad influence on me oh my god he also admitted on the stand that he had been helping Dylan look for a truck online and Del uh confirmed to him that he had gotten one and he admitted Mark asked him to get the drugs out of Dellen's house after Dellen was arrested and he obliged all of that. On the stand, he was like, yeah, sorry, I lied and this is what I helped with. Mm -hmm. And I fucking doubt that's all. But I'm standing firm in my belief that this motherfucker brokered a deal in exchange for his testimony. I'm, I'm, that's my opinion. I'm not saying that is the case. For legal reasons. Allegedly. Yeah. In the words of Stephanie Harlow allegedly that's my opinion don't come for me yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh, andrew agreed under cross-examination that he lied when he was first interviewed by police but it was because he was trying to protect Dellen because his, his best friend like he loves him so it's like we trying to protect Dellen, or do you think Dellen's a piece of shit who you had to just go on these missions for because what for whatever reason and he's a bad influence or did you try and protect Dellen because you love him like i don't understand what is it andrew Andrew, what is it? The trial lasted from February 1st to June 13th, 2016. So the trial was over four months long. The jury was sequestered and reminded that the trial was for the first degree murder of Tim Bosma, but jurors were given the options of convicting Dellen and or Mark of second degree murder or manslaughter. So there was options on the table. With that, deliberations began. They deliberated for four days, and during those four days, there was a huge outpouring of support to Charlene and the rest of Tim's family. 
Several of Tim's friends and relatives had attended every single day of the court proceedings. So they were there every day for over four months. Wow. To attend this trial. So people from the church, locals, and then just people who were like straight up like captivated by the case posted mm-hmm. up outside the courthouse to support the family and wait for the verdict. On June 17th, Dylan and Mark were convicted of the first-degree murder of Tim Bosma and ultimately sentenced to life in prison with no parole eligibility for 25 years. That's just that's standard in Canada. If you get life in prison, you're automatically eligible for parole after 25 years. Mm. So that means that they would be eligible for parole Mm -hmm. in 2038. They immediately filed separate notices to appeal their verdicts, citing a bunch of shit, but mainly uh, charter violations and evidence that should have been left out because it had potential to sway the jury. So uh, off the top of my head, the main thing was that They argued the jury should not have been privy to information about the missions and uh, photos related to stolen property because they argued that had nothing to do with the murder of Tim Bosma, which is stupid because the whole point is that even in their own defense, when they were saying what happened that night, they were saying they went there to scope out the truck to steal it later, which was a mission. Yeah. So it's just grasping at straws, but like they're saying, oh, they, they shouldn't have been privy to all of that. But like, literally, you even said that it was a mission. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it has absolutely everything to do with it. Yeah. Missions. Jesus Christ. <laughs> okay. God. After hearing the guilty verdict, people were elated, including Igor. who told the Canadian press he was truly sorry for the Bosma family and that he prays for Tim every single day. He also said that since he found out Tim was murdered by the same men who test drove his truck literally the day before, he has a renewed love and appreciation for life. And every year on May 5th, which is the anniversary of the test drive he took with fucking Dylan and Mark, Mm -hmm. he celebrates his, quote, rebirth with his wife and children. Oh. So every single year, it's like a time that he gets together with his wife and kids and just basically thanks the fucking Lord that he's still here. Still here. And it wasn't him. And during that process, he prays for Tim as well because he's like, it's fucked up. Yeah. Like, I count my blessings every single day, but it's not fair. Yeah. So I just thought that was interesting. And also, like, Igor. Making people sick, quote unquote. <laughs> no, we didn't steal the truck. Mark was sick. <laughs> <laughs> you can't make this shit up. It's like nope. spec ops. So they're like, no, but I was sick. Also, I like, didn't check it out. Let's take a moment to appreciate my depth of research. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> to the point where you got into that. <laughs> Patting myself on the back. Okay. Yeah, good job. Igor was fucking pumped, you know? He's like, Thank the Lord these two pieces of shit are behind bars. But no one was more elated about the verdict than Charlene Bosma, who immediately addressed the media with a speech about how happy they were for the verdict after waiting over three years for justice and after attending the proceedings every single day for over four months. Mm -hmm. So again, Charlene, 
fucking badass bitch out here. She's like, guilty verdict? Excellent. That's sick. One minute. Gotta go address the media. Yep. Like, she doesn't miss a beat. Oh, yeah. She's like, I I 100% have to dunk on these fuckers. Hold on. I just, I think Charlene is uh, just amazing. Yeah. I can't believe how. Just, just an ironclad woman. Just yes. fucking rock. I would just be like in shambles in my bed. Like nobody even look at me. I haven't showered in nine years. <laughs> and she's like. But your husband was only killed like two weeks ago. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh. Well, it's been a hard life. He's dead. <laughs> what? I haven't left my bed. I have not showered. I don't know these things. Okay, that has nothing to do with this. Wow. Okay. That's what I would be like. Yeah. Meanwhile, Charlene has just been out here advocating for her husband, being a just a beacon of light for her family, mm-hmm. addressing the media whenever she had to or the chances she could. Just damn. Charlene Bosma, man. Yeah. Love this woman. So she said that they were happy with the verdict, but she did remind everyone that Tim was murdered. He's gone forever. Nothing could bring him back. Mm-hmm. So her family's journey wasn't over yet. Yeah. Do you know who else it wasn't over for yet? Oh no, who? Dolan and Mark. Right. The, yeah, their their journey also isn't over yet. There's shit stains, and there's still more things to bring to the courts. That's right. <sighs> if you'll remember, way back in part one of this series, I had mentioned that the candle lighting ceremony held in Tim's honor in Brantford was on the evening of May seventeenth, twenty thirteen. Now, something I did not mention at that time was this: the same day. Toronto police reopened their investigation into two of their cases. The first was the supposed suicide death of Dellen's father, Wayne Millard. And the other was the disappearance of Dellen's ex-girlfriend, Laura Babcock, who disappeared from Toronto less than a year before Tim was murdered. (sighs) Fuck these guys so hard. (laughs) Well, fuck Dellen. And I bet you guys are about to say, you know what, fuck you too, Brianna, because you have to come back next week for part five to hear <laughs> about Laura Babcock's disappearance. Fuck you, Brianna. <laughs> but we did it. I mean, that's the case of Tim Bosma, the absolute fuckery that went on there and the trial and at least these two stinking shit stains. Uh, have life in prison mm-hmm. for murdering Tim Bosma in cold blood. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I have said it's not over yet. There's these two cases, Dellen's father and Laura Babcock, that have been in the background while all of this is going on with Tim's case, has been reopened and reinvestigated. And um, we'll talk about Laura's first, but that'll be next week. And... I don't know. Dyson, you got anything you want to say? Well, we can go back on to, like, like I was trying to say about Pacific Rim. I just oh really... Oh, my God. You don't want to hear it? Is this because when we were off mic, I called you out on the fact that Pacific Rim came out in 2013, and I was talking about my phase, which was, like, 2007, so I was, like, fucking 12? 
And you said, I know, I, I agree, I had a phase two in 2013 when you would have been 21. <laughs> Is that what you want to talk about? I mean, not that part specifically. <laughs> Mainly just the robots. <laughs> <laughs> when we were off mic, I went back to my browser where I had opened it to Google Pacific Rim. Because like I had said, I was like, I don't think I've heard of this. And then I saw that it came out in 2013. And I was like, Dyson. <laughs> This was released in 2013. I was going through going through it with Metro Station in 2007. Yeah. <laughs> and you're like, that's why I said I couldn't say anything. I have many phases. I'm like the moon. Good Lord. <laughs> <laughs> I want... Okay. Do you have anything to say about this case? No. Good job about covering it. And I didn't really know much about the Tim Bosma case at all. So I feel like I've got like an actual like masterclass through it and I fully understand it now and I appreciate that. And you also went so fucking far down the fucking rabbit hole on <laughs> so many details. <laughs> well, thank you. Yeah. I'm not done yet. We're not done yet. We still got three more parts. Mm-hmm. And next week I'll take you down the rabbit hole for Laura Babcock's disappearance. And throughout this episode, I've mentioned different, you know, posts I'll make on Instagram with pictures. Mm -hmm. uh, that's Dark Adaptation Podcast on Instagram. So make sure you follow us there to see photos related to the case. And I had also mentioned some sources, mainly The Mob Reporter, which I just so recommend you go and subscribe to his channel because uh, he's got a lot of stuff. Way more than just like to Tim Bosma trial stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, those sources are available on our website, darkadaptationpodcast.ca. Uh, when you're there, you just go up into the little left-hand corner. You could buy us a coffee to show, um, how much you love us in the show. You could check out some merch, you know, we still got those patches and, like, they're fucking sick. And thank you for tuning in. And we'll catch you on the dark side for part five. Bye-bye. <laughs>